0: Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today, and now here is today's podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller, and I'm super happy to to have with me today a friend of mine named Jordan Morris, Jordan, and his wife Kelsey have an incredible ministry. They are evangelists to the core. And I don't really want to speak too much for Jordan. I want him to introduce himself to you today. So, Jordan, welcome to our podcast. And would you say hi to everybody today?
1: Yeah, firstly, Eric, thank you so much for the opportunity and the honor of being with you. Um, I really see this as a privilege to be able to share this time. So, thank you so much. But um, as Eric has said, my name is Jordan. My wife is Kelsey, and we have a son, Theo, and yeah, we have the amazing honor of uh, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ um, around the world and throughout the United States and what an honor that is. And so um, I'm excited to share this time with you, Eric, and uh, to the amazing people watching too.
0: Awesome. Hey, Jordan, what's the name of your ministry for everybody to know? All for Jesus. One of my favorite songs is an old Robin Mark worship song called All for Jesus. And, friend, I don't know if you can be any more clear about what your intentions are when somebody says they're all for Jesus. And I've seen that in Jordan. We've seen it in Kelsey. In fact, my wife, Casey, used to watch Kelsey when she was in the nursery at Brownsville during the revival. It cr- really amazing. And actually, Kelsey's parents, uh, Jordan's in-laws, were instrumental in our uh, coming to the Lord and really being discipled those early years of the revival, as many of you have heard me say uh, for so long. But Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself Where did you grow up? I mean, obviously you got this incredible accent that I wish I had, but tell
1: us about yourself, buddy. Yeah. So for those who function in the gift of discernment, you'll know by now that I'm I'm definitely not from the United States. I was born and raised in England, um, in the United Kingdom. I moved over here when I was 23 years old, but the, the very short story, um, Eric, is I was raised in what I would call the perfect Christian home. My testimony isn't that I was you know, in an unsaved family and got radically saved. I, I grew up in the most perfect setting you could wish for. Wow. My mom and dad loved the Lord um, from my earliest memories. Going to bed at night, I don't often remember reading fictional books. They would read us the Bible stories, you know? And uh, so I grew up on hearing stories of a man hearing from God. So he built a big boat, and I thought that was completely normal. A man who was in the middle of a battle, and he's like, hey, the job's not done yet, so son, if you can stand there for a while and not move, that'd be great. And I'm like, this is normal life. I thought that was normal. And so my earliest memories are spending time with the Lord, praying, you know, devotionals with my parents. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 11 years old. Um, But I knew there was something on my life that God asked of me when at seven years old, I gave my life to the Lord. And the very next day I went to school, I grabbed my best friend like this. I said, you need to give your life to Jesus. He said, why? I said, I don't know, but I did. So you need to. And that was my first convert. (laughs) That's Um, awesome. I've since changed the methodology a little bit that's (laughs) that's not the approach anymore but the point was the Lord became so real to me that at seven years old I wanted to see people saved and so at the age of 11 um, I began preaching on a near monthly basis in my youth group, the sermons were so bad, like you could get unsaved. Like it was on that level of horrific. Like you could wow. you could walk in saved and my preaching was so bad you would question if You wanted to be <laughs> saved by the end. But the point was I had this consuming passion in my heart mm. to preach about this Jesus who had saved me. I would go on the streets and I would try and win people to the Lord. I would, you know, wherever I could, I would, you know, go with a friend and we go down to the you know, the local stores and just being, talking to people about Jesus. I would lay hands on people in wheelchairs on the street. It didn't matter where I was, but mm. during my teen years, during the 13 to 17, 18 period, I, in my heart, I began to really wander from the Lord. Now, nothing from the exterior looked different. I still went to church every week, Eric, and every morning with my parents, I would do the daily devotionals. Um, you know, I would say grace around the family dinner table, but I was searching for something in my heart because I understood that my parents' relationship with the Lord was not enough to sustain me. And right. I, I think it happens for many people, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm in a Christian household, therefore I'm good, but if we're not with the Lord, then that fire in our hearts, that first love will begin to dwindle. And so I remember hearing my brother in his room spending time with the Lord and I was, you know, whatever, you know, texting some girl back at school or, you know, I found myself in places like house parties and nightclubs. And I thought the whole time I'm thinking to myself, if my parents knew where I was, I would be dead right now. (laughs) And I would say to them, hey, I'm gonna go to a friend's house and we're gonna hang out. But I was heading to some house party. And I remember specifically one night, Eric, I was at this house party and I watched a friend who I'd been friends with now for multiple years, begin to snort a line of cocaine off a table. And this thought came to my heart, What in the world am I doing here? Wow. Like I was raised in the most perfect household. And what was scary, Eric, was this. Every week I was still preaching somewhere. Like I was preaching around England. You know, I would travel three hours to preach somewhere on Friday. Saturday I'd be at some house party. I had this double thing going on. And people ask me, you know, frequently when I share this story, when was the specific moment you ended it all and came back to the Lord? And the answer is, I don't know. Hmm. There was just this gradual drawing back to the Lord, where the desires in my heart just began to shift and change, and I had this powerful encounter with the Lord on the first of September two thousand and ten. I was at an event in a place called Sheffield, England, with somebody that you know very well, and an evangelist called Daniel Kalender. Right, and I was um, in this service and he gave an altar call if you just want the t- a touch of god come forward and i'd be i'd had hands laid on me so many times i'm like i don't need to be there like i've been prayed over yeah. a million times but something in my heart which i now know is the holy spirit said you go get mm. down there yeah. and so i went down there and i had what i would call a visitation from the lord and he spoke to me and said son i want you to believe me for one billion souls and that wasn't million with an m that was billion with a b he said believe me for one billion souls and i Eric, I began to give the Lord every reason why that could not happen, as if I was anybody to inform the Lord. Right, And um, it reminded me a little bit of Moses when he said, here's all the reasons I can't go to Pharaoh. And so when the Lord very patiently waited for me to get done, he spoke to me two words that have held me for many years of my life. He said, only believe. And so around that time in my life, my heart began to come back to the Lord in a way where those things didn't hold me anymore. And I began radically preaching the gospel and like I hadn't been before, I began to desire purity and holiness rather than just altars and crowds and platforms. And this is this thing in my heart that if Lord, if if I don't have the crowds anymore, but I have you, this is my desire. And so at the age of 23, Eric, I moved over to the United States. I married my beautiful wife. And for about a year and a half, I believe I served under um, her mom's ministry. And then in 2018, we launched what is now known as All for Jesus. And since we launched the ministry, we've now just, we've just surpassed a quarter of a million decisions for Jesus Christ through crusades around the world. We've been in Pakistan, Kenya, Colombia, Canada, America, Europe. Wow! It is only God. And I want to make that very clear. It is only the goodness of God that we've been able to see that. And so that is that is a very short story yeah. of that we're at right now.
0: I love that you're so candid sharing your testimony. I find that the most impactful people are not the ones with so much just the greatest story, but have nothing to hide. You know when somebody's real and genuine or not. You know, I have a very similar testimony in the sense that. I prayed a prayer to receive Jesus when I was 14. My family I were not Christians until right. a Presbyterian pastor who was baptized in the spirit knocked on the door of our house for one year, inviting wow. us to a church. But he was so consistent. And we ended up going give my life to jesus through a prayer but i really didn't i think understand what repentance was about understood confession we were going through the motions just like yourself i even became a youth pastor at that time i was preaching as well in the state Mm -hmm. of delaware so you you understand that i moved from new york where i grew up to delaware and in short three and a half years after seeing the youth group grow you know the 75 students, the church grow from 100 to 500, purchasing land, special events, all that. Here I am repenting in front of the church for a seven year uh, pornography addiction. Wow. And I've shared my testimony openly for over 23 years. It really means a lot to me. And I know to our listeners, you know, there's a lot of questions that people have about when we hear a preacher, a teacher a lot of times, a pastor, leader of some sort, because we don't know them. It thrills my heart to just hear you share how openly—I grew up in a good home. A lot of people grow up in a good home and fall away and different things, but you're on fire for Jesus now. What's God been doing in the ministry
1: as you've traveled and gone to these other countries? Something interesting happened to me, Eric, when I was a young man. And this is how I knew that even from an early age and even when I was in sin, that there was a call on my life. And I remember I, I say to people, I wasn't a very good sinner. And the reason I say that was... I even when I tried to enjoy sin, I couldn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I would be at these house parties, and all I wanted to do was fit in, and all I felt in my heart was, "You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here." So I couldn't even enjoy the sin while I was in it. Yeah. But even when I was doing those things, I remember I'd go to bed at night. And I would have dreams of fields just full of people as far as I could see. I remember I'd go to my friend's houses, Eric, and they would have Michael Jordan on their wall, or they would have a famous soccer player. I had Reinhard Bonk's crusade pictures on my wall at 11 years old. Wow! My mom and dad, they would order the, it used to be called Impact Magazine, the I used to send out. In essence, I would steal it from my parents and I would tear out the crusade pictures. I would stick them on my wall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you said to me, why do you do that? I wouldn't be able to articulate with my mouth why, but my heart could tell you a story. It would be able to express something about that burns in my heart. Yeah. And I would look yeah. at them, Eric, and this might sound silly to the listeners, but this is its reality. Mm-hmm. I would look at them and cry. Tears would roll down my cheeks, and I couldn't mm-hmm. even articulate to you. If you said, why are you crying? I don't know. But when I look at that, something in my heart says, I'm called to this. Amen. And so when we launched All for Jesus, we had no dollars in the bank account. We had no invites. We certainly had no crusade opportunities. But we were just as faithful as we could be to the Lord. If there were seven people, I would go and preach there. If there were yeah. 70, I would go and preach there. I just, I had this desire to be faithful to the Lord in seeing souls one. And so we had a a, a supernatural meeting with an individual who now is our crusade director in Africa. Mm -hmm. And we held our first ever crusade in a place called Kamkuya, Kenya. And I was believing, Eric, that five million people would show up to this initial crusade but that was the story Um, the first night it was a monsoon and about 350 people showed up and i was heartbroken oh wow and we the first night i'm like i quit i'm done um, and even bef- even before Kenya, I was invited to a few places where so a, a minister said, listen, we're going to hold a, a, a crusade and we're hiring a stadium to hold 4,000 people. It's going to be filled. Will you come and preach? I get there and there's like 50 people there. Wow. Again, my heart sinks. Mm. Two months later, I get an invite saying, hey, we're going to gather 60,000 bikers in a field in Sturgis, South Dakota. Come and preach for us. I show up there. There's 63 people. Again, heartbroken. and Yeah. I, I realized that the key isn't to be gifted. I think that many times just the key in ministry, Eric, is just to be persistent. Just keep going, like fail. And it, to the Lord, it wasn't failure. Yeah, and I think it was a moment of, hey, are you... If you never see a million people, are you happy with the sixty-five? Will you preach faithfully to them? And so, our first crusade, three hundred fifty people on the first night. The second night, we had maybe four or five thousand. Wow. And last night, it increased to maybe six or seven thousand. And to me, you know, it was good, but it still wasn't what we wanted. And so, we remained faithful. The year after, we went to Colombia. We had a stadium that held twenty thousand, and God filled it. Wow. The year after, I went to uh, went to Pakistan, and I preached seventy five thousand. Come on. Um, bro. I went to Kenya a few months later and we saw Kenya had restrictions. and They said you can't hold a big crusade. We said no wonder, no problem. We'll do as many small events as possible. So, we held 355 services in the space of 12 days.
0: I remember that my buddy yeah, so Jason
1: Duran, our friend, was there. Yeah, yeah. So we saw 115,108 souls went one for Come Christ. On, Jesus, thank and those were big meetings, Eric. It was 50 in a service. The next service is 2,000. The next service is 400, but. It didn't matter the crowd. We weren't there the crowd. We were there the salt, and so yeah. And um, we just remained persistent, and that's how we that's how we've seen more than a quarter million.
0: I love you. what you're saying, bro. Because I just interviewed Dr. Michael Brown, who's been like a awesome a spiritual father to us for so many years and I said this in the interview, is that never kick doors open. Let the Holy Spirit open yeah. the doors for you. You know, be Amen. a people of prayer, you know, Amen. be a people of faith and watch God do it. I love it, bro, because, you know, you could have stepped out and said, look, I'm the son-in-law to Steve Hill. Look, I am connected to these different people. Your Is it your cousin, Nathan Morris, awesome. who was at the Uh, the bay of the holy spirit with john kilpatrick which was another move of god after brownsville i love the grassroots movement of the spirit that's taking place in your own heart and Kelsey, and Theo, and what's happening is God's preparing a platform before you guys, and you're taking it and saying, look, if we're going to be able to do the big meeting, we this is the dream, the vision we have, awesome. But if we got to do 350 uh, small meetings, I love it. That's someone who has a real heart for ministry, folks, because a lot of people are not flexible. If it doesn't happen their way, they don't have a certain amount of money, you know, they just kind of give up. But the real stuff happens when people say, all for Jesus. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. We're going for it no matter what the cost. So, bro, I, I'm I'm super excited to hear what God's doing. I got a vision in my own heart that the day that I heard it. I saw like a dam breaking. And, you know, dams are largely known for destruction if they break. But this was a dam of revival. And wow. I'm just believing that, you know, the breakthrough that we're seeing initially with Roe versus Wade, obviously God's yeah. doing things all over the place, is going to pour out the river of God on America, England, the nations, wherever yeah. we go. What is God saying to you, bro? What are you feeling in your heart right now?
1: I will unapologetically rejoice for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Come on. The minister's... Say it's not my place to mention that. Listen, when the shedding of innocent blood is That's right by the hand of God, it's a moment to celebrate. It's a amen. moment. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. The children made in the image of God are being given an opportunity at life. I, I right. rejoice. Let it go on the record. I thank God for the overturning. Of Come that. on. So, amen. I do not believe I have ever been in what I would what we would both refer to as a revival meeting. For example, Brownsville, you know, um, I, I never came to that, you know, I sure. you read about things like the Azusa Street Revival, the Welsh Revival, the Hebridean Revival, you know, the Brownsville Revival. And it's something that uh, rubs me the wrong way a little bit is how cheaply this word now gets thrown around. It's like, hey, so revival services? Because yeah. if we get to determine when it starts, right. And when it finishes, you know, its all, revival's always been a sovereign move of God, where most times, if not every time, it wasn't planned. It 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 just it was a hunger of people who came together, and from my very limited and my very small perspective, what what I believe that it must start with is not just saying, "Hey, well." If we have revival, souls will be saved. Surely it should come from a heart of let's win souls, even if we never see another move of God, which I believe we will. Yeah, but let it be in our hearts that if we never have another sovereign move of God in America, we will die at the gates of hell. Amen. Snatching souls from the flames. Come on. And let that be our heart. But I would go even further than that, Eric, that if you know people say, what are you believing for? Even before a move of God, my heart contends for this, let purity and holiness be a priority in the kingdom of God again. I think so many ministers raised up to levels of influence but you, you don't see a, a desire for purity or wholeness yeah. or the fear of God. It's true. And that's why, very sadly, we read these articles on the front of the newspapers about another big minister has fallen. If we do, and I pray we do get another move of God, my desire is above this, you know, as much as the souls, as much as the miracles that such a purity would come to the body of Christ. Yes. That's such a longing for the fear of God. Yes. And you know the the, the desire to walk as Jesus walked. Hmm. Um, and 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 let all this, Eric, let all this Man, if God would just give us exposure, or influence, let that go. If you can get along with Jesus mm. and you can have a heart of purity, he can come find David in a sheep field and raise him up to be a yes. king. But we live in this age of well, maybe if I get enough Instagram followers, you know, listen, if we can be people who walk with the Lord, and I, you know, Eric, I, I read about people like Enoch, I read about people like Moses, who, and then, Abraham, it was written. They walked with God, and that's what I want. That's what I want in my life. And my prayer used to be, God, give me the biggest state so the most souls will be won. But here's the problem: if you have that without that intimacy with the Lord, the state will destroy you. That's right. I mean, you, you'll build it around yourself. You, you'll mm-hmm. think that you're the reason for the success, and it's it's what the Lord, you know, spoke through Samuel to Saul. And he said this beautiful passage, Eric, that I I want to maybe finish on this from from what you've asked me. Saul has fallen. He's disobeyed the Lord. He did not destroy the entire Amalekite army. He left Agag the king alive. He comes to Samuel and said, I did what the Lord told me to And Samuel pretty much says this, no, you did not. But he says, Saul, do you remember when you were little in your own eyes? He says, do you remember when you were a nobody? Yeah. When you didn't have the notoriety, you weren't yet the king, you, you hadn't conquered great armies, but did God not come and find you? from the Benjamin tribe the least of the least and did he not anoint you king and this is my heart right now when you say what do you believe God is doing I believe there is returning to the simplicity of realizing this if we do not have Jesus we have absolutely nothing yeah. we can have the big crusades that planet earth's ever seen but man if we're not building this thing around the Lord and even as the tabernacle was built all around the presence of God if we don't have that I fear what would happen if we do have a sovereign move of God, if we build it around ourselves. then yeah. I think God is trying to bring a purity and a refining to us before he can. And here's what I would say very carefully before he can entrust us with the move of God. Right. I think there has to be this purifying and this refining and this, if, if all you have is the Lord and all your ministry disappear tomorrow, is that enough for you? Will you be yeah. content with that?
0: I hear you, bro. I, I absolutely love it. You know, Again, I don't don't believe, you know, revival is our answer. You know, like you're saying, uh, Jesus is the answer. And if we just go Mm -hmm. after him, whether we have the corporate outpouring of the spirit or not, we are required to have the fire in the altar of our heart to Amen. continue to burn it, it must never go out and so That's we can't so make an excuse that. that if other people don't i think one of the keys to revival is unity and mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we don't see it is because it's so hard to bring people to into agreement but if nobody else wants to be in agreement with us right <laughs> we'll go right. after god ourselves you know, right. and, and it's always funny because we always come at a point where we sometimes think there's nobody else around. You know, I'm the only one left, like Elijah, right? Yeah. And the Lord says, no, 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 there's 7,000 left right. I've reserved. There's always someone out there. And I, and I think a lot of times we go through these uh, series in life where we empty ourselves and we struggle and we go deeper with our roots into the kingdom and to the... The presence of the lord and then we just say we don't know what it's going to require but you're worth it all no matter what we see or what we don't see and then it's always god knows what he's doing he brings it about and you look back at it and you say how in the world did that happen? How do we get to a point where something like Roe versus Wade is overturned? And how do we get to the point where churches are beginning to pray and people are beginning to feel the responsibility for evangelism, right? You know, we just have a, couple minutes left here. But Jordan, I want to encourage you, would you just challenge our folks today? Why do we got to win souls and make disciples? What's burning in your heart? Release that on us, bro.
1: Well, I want to give you this as plain as absolutely possible. If we do not preach the gospel, we are allowing people to walk into an eternity in hell that is the reality of it and although maybe it's not preached on as much as it was in you know the early church days hell is still as real as it's ever been your bible still talks about it and whether your favorite preacher does or does not the bible still says that hell is a real place yeah people will spend all eternity the scriptures teaches the wages of sin is death that is separation from god that is that is the reality that without the lord We are destined to spend eternity in hell. But this is the Sunday School Scripture we've heard all our lives. And sometimes I think that it's so simple, we overlook it. But the Scriptures still tell us, Eric, that God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever... That is an incredible word the Bible uses there. That means whether your skin color is black, white, whether you're rich, you're poor, whether you're eloquent, whether you're not, whether you sweep streets for a living, or you're the President of the United States, whoever believes in him would not have to perish but we would have everlasting life and friend i want to encourage you today in the book of second timothy chapter four that to do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry Mm. that is our call yes all called to do the work of the evangelist so that would be my encouragement to you today
0: So wonderful. Listen, friend, if you don't know Jesus today, I want to encourage you to reach out, cry out to God, say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Humble yourself, repent of your sin. He loves you and he's got an amazing plan for your life. Listen, thank you so much, Jordan, for being with us today. How can people follow your ministry, get behind you guys, pray for you? Where can they contact you?
1: Yeah, you can go to allforjesus.net and you can find out all that God's doing through the ministry that way.
0: Awesome. You heard it right here, folks. Jordan, thank you. We can't wait to see you again. God bless you, bro. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.